It's Friday, March 22nd. Welcome to our new podcast, Skim This. Every Monday through Friday at 5 p.m., we're breaking down the biggest, most complex stories of the day and giving you the context on why they matter. President Trump announced on Thursday that the U.S. should recognize Israel's claim to the Golan Heights. We'll give you some background on why this was so controversial and the ripple effects it's having across the globe. Then, Mississippi's governor just signed one of the most restrictive abortion laws in the U.S. We'll tell you why this could reignite the national debate over abortion rights. Finally, we got your calls, and today we want to feature two women of the week who everyone will be able to relate to, because moms are awesome. We're here to make your Friday smarter. Let's skim this. Today's episode is presented by H&R Block. Skim this makes your evenings smarter. H&R Block makes your tax season smarter. They decode taxes like we decode the news. And they've got your back, however you choose to file. The most complicated story today is about the Golan Heights, a picturesque vacation spot that's become ground zero for a complicated fight in the Middle East. Yesterday, President Trump tweeted that it was time for the United States to fully recognize Israel's sovereignty over the Golan Heights. And that tweet set off a wave of reactions in the Middle East and around the world. So today, we're going to get into it. First, we'll explain why the Golan Heights has been so controversial for so long. Second, we'll explain why U.S. relations with Iran are part of the equation. And third, we'll talk about why U.S. allies are not exactly psyched about this decision. Okay, first, why is the Golan Heights so controversial? Quick backgrounder. The Golan Heights is this 500-square-mile stretch of mountains right between Israel and Syria. From the top of the Heights Plateau, you can see right into southwestern Syria. It's also next to the Sea of Galilee, which is an important water source for Israel. The Golan Heights also borders on Lebanon in the north and Jordan in the south, so it's a really strategic location. The Golan Heights was part of Syria until 1967, when Israel seized control of most of the region during the Six-Day War. And Israelis started moving there. Now they control about two-thirds of the region. The other eastern third is still under contested Syrian control. In 1974, the UN sent monitors to keep an eye on things. In 1981, Israel annexed its part, basically saying this is for keeps. The rest of the world, including the US, said this was a bad idea, and no one recognized it as Israeli territory. But Israelis kept settling there. Today, about 20,000 Israelis live in the Golan Heights, alongside about the same number of Druze, an Arabic-speaking ethnic minority from Syria. There were a lot more there before. So the UN stayed and kept up the demilitarized zone between the two Golans. Syria and Israel tried to negotiate about it again in 2000, and again in 2010 with the Obama administration's help. But those talks failed. The next year, civil war broke out in Syria. Anti-government rebels inside Syria took over the Syrian side of the Golan Heights. Last year, Syria's government took it back, with military help from a Russian-backed offensive and on-the-ground support from Israel's big enemy, Iran, and its proxy militant group, Hezbollah. And Israel says that's who they're worried about. Last May, Israel said Iranian troops fired rockets at Israel's army in the Golan. It was seen as a response to Trump pulling out of the Iran nuclear deal. This past January, Israel says Iranians reportedly launched a missile toward Golan. Israel responded by launching airstrikes against Iranian forces in Syria. That's the history of Israel's claim to Golan, 
and what's been going on there lately. So it's a big deal when the president of the United States says the U.S. will recognize Israel's sovereignty over that region. The U.S. is the first country in the world to say this. Which brings us to part two. The context of Trump's tweet. It's part of a push to limit Iran's power in the region. When President Trump sent that tweet yesterday, Secretary of State Mike Pompeo was in Jerusalem, in the middle of a big tour of the Middle East, where he's been trying to shore up support against Iran. He and Israeli President Benjamin Netanyahu held a joint press conference right after the Golan Heights news broke. Thank you, Mike Pompeo. Thank you, President Trump. And thank you, America. Netanyahu is clearly psyched about this. He's up for re-election in April, and he's touting this as a huge win, which he needs because he's possibly facing an indictment on corruption charges. Not so psyched, just about everyone else. Today, Pompeo was in Lebanon to convince leaders there to tamp down on Iran's influence on lawmakers. There is a lot of support for Hezbollah in Lebanon. Not so shocking, Syria and its squad, Russia, Iran, and Turkey, have condemned Trump's move. The Syrian government is vowing to liberate Golan Heights by all possible means, no matter what. Russia and Turkey say President Trump's tweet is destabilizing the region. But it's not just them. Even U.S. allies are pushing back. Which brings us to part three, how the rest of the world is reacting. The rest of the Middle East, not just the people actively involved near the Golan Heights, is pissed. The Arab League, a coalition of 22 Arab countries, says the U.S.'s decision goes completely beyond international law. France agrees. It says that the U.S. is breaking international law by recognizing an illegal situation. And Germany condemned what it called unilateral steps by the U.S. It said borders should be part of a peace deal. This is happening while the U.S. is trying to broker a peace deal between Israel and Palestine. A successful deal would require a whole bunch of Arab countries in the Middle East to trust the U.S. Now, the Trump administration has just upset everyone except for Israel. So what's the scam? Globally, the Golan Heights is tied up in this much bigger drama with Syria, Iran, and the Middle East peace deal. That's why everyone has an opinion on this. Two more things happened today that added fuel to the fire. The Trump administration hit Iranian nuclear researchers with new sanctions. And the White House announced that the ISIS caliphate has been 100% eliminated from Syria. Even as reports show, the fighting continues. In the U.S., while Netanyahu is happy about Trump's tweet, President Trump said today his decision on the Golan Heights had nothing to do with helping Netanyahu win the election. He said he wouldn't even know about the elections. Maybe they'll talk more about it on Monday. That's when Netanyahu arrives in the U.S. to speak at a conference for the pro-Israel lobbying group APAC and to meet with President Trump at the White House. So that's your pre-weekend Middle East update. Coming up, we head down south, the American South. Surprise! Tax day is right around the corner. Maybe you're an early bird and filed already. Or maybe you're like the rest of us and haven't even started. Either way, we can all agree that taxes tops our least favorite chores list. Except you don't have a sibling you can pass this one off to. You can pass it off to the tax pros at H&R Block, though. You can go to an H&R Block office near you, or you can skip the office visit and get professional tax prep with their new Tax Pro Go service. Tax chore? No more. Work with an H&R Block tax pro today. The state of Mississippi now has one of the strictest abortion laws in the country. It is law. 
That was yesterday, when Governor Phil Bryant signed a law banning all abortions after a heartbeat in the fetus can be detected. That's usually after about six weeks, which is before a lot of women even find out they're pregnant. So today, three things you need to know about the implications of this new law. First, what's the deal in Mississippi? This isn't the first time Mississippi has passed a strict abortion law. Just a year ago, Governor Bryant signed a law banning abortions after 15 weeks. A judge quickly put a temporary block on it, and he shut it down permanently in November. The big argument was that it violated Roe v. Wade, the Supreme Court case that legalized abortion. Roe v. Wade said that states can't ban abortions that happen before the fetus can survive outside the womb. That can vary, but doctors today say usually it's around 24 weeks, not before 15 weeks, and definitely not before six. But the second thing you need to know is that Mississippi is not alone. Already this year, 11 states have introduced heartbeat bills, including Texas, Florida, and Ohio. These are some of the most populous states. So these laws could affect a ton of people if they're passed. Courts are acting, though. The governor in Kentucky passed a nearly identical bill last Friday, and a federal judge blocked it on the same day. An Iowa judge blocked a really similar law back in January, too. And now, the Center for Reproductive Rights say they're going to challenge the Mississippi law in court as well. But anti-abortion groups are really excited about these laws and the challenges. They think it's setting up a fight that could put abortion back on the Supreme Court's docket. That's thing to know number three, what the Supremes could have to say about this. Like we said, the Supreme Court legalized abortion in 1973 in Roe v. Wade. And for the past 45 years, anti-abortion groups have been trying to get that decision overturned. And they're hoping now might be their chance. When Brett Kavanaugh was confirmed last fall, he replaced Justice Anthony Kennedy's swing vote with a conservative vote, which changed the court lineup. Five conservatives and four liberals. During his confirmation hearing, Kavanaugh did what most justices do. He said he'd defer to previous court rulings when it came to abortion. One of the important things to keep in mind about Roe v. Wade is that it has been reaffirmed many times over the past uh, 45 years. But Kavanaugh's previous record puts him at the more conservative end of the ideological spectrum on the bench. So it's unclear how he'll vote if a challenge to Roe v. Wade were to come up. One person to watch out for, Chief Justice John Roberts. He's actually been more of a swing vote since Kavanaugh joined the squad. So any future abortion cases will probably come down to him. Up next, we look at two awesome women for our Women of the Week segment. And now, we asked you to call in with nominations for who you think we should salute as our Woman of the Week. And we got a lot of great submissions. This week, we want to give a shout out to two skim moms. I'm Emma, I'm 16, and my nomination for the Woman of the Week is my mom, Rebecca. Um, I wanted to call and share my mother's story. Her name is Teresa. First, Emma's mom, Rebecca. Emma's had a rough year and a half, thanks to a concussion. I wouldn't have been able to make it through without my mom. Rebecca has been there for all the highs and the lows. She helps Emma with her memory, her balance, and her doctor's appointments. Most of all, she listens to me when I'm upset and is right there when I'm celebrating a small victory. March is also Traumatic Brain Injury Awareness Month. So we want to give an extra big shout out to the caregivers like Rebecca who are there for support. Second, 
Erica's mom, Teresa. She's been working at the Goodyear plant in Akron, Ohio. Not too long ago, Teresa got promoted to an office job, and Erica is beyond proud of her. At 55, she's taking classes at a university and brushing up on PowerPoint skills, Excel skills, and she just nailed her first major presentation um, with some big, uh, important people at Goodyear. We know it's still two months till Mother's Day, but whether it's your birth mom, adopted mom, or the mom of your friend group, maybe you can take a sec to show the mom in your life some love this weekend. And that's all for Skim This. Happy Friday. Thanks for listening all week. We love having so many subscriptions and downloads. It's very exciting. We'd also love it if you could share the show with your friends and leave us a review. And if you're looking for more Skim to add to your routine, sign up to our morning newsletter, The Daily Skim, by heading over to theskim.com. They'll have the news of the weekend Monday morning. Have a great weekend and check back in with us on Monday night for more Skim This.